When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a new day, yes it is Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome To Wild and Crazy Eyes The Athletic presents Hogan Johns Hogan for the win We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed The most important piece is we're going to take the north and never give it back From CHGO it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in a Monday edition of Hogue and Johns for you with the Fishman. Sitting in. What's up, guys? Come on, Kev. Say something. What's, what's up, guys? Happy uh, Happy Roquan Smith Holden is over. No, come on. No. You guys missed that story on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Okay. Happy training camp's over. That part. Is it I mean, but now what? Now it's like, now we got to wait three more weeks still for a freaking game. Uh, these weeks always take the longest. Um. It's okay, Adam. Kevin's just tired from the 100th wedding he's been to in the last two years. <laughs> I, he, he was I'm just telling old. us that, that this is like his last wedding for the foreseeable future. And I, I'm not buying any of that. I, I think I think we reached a point where uh, our friends and, and cousins and we got no imminent weddings. Nothing on the calendar. There's a late... There's like a... There's like a window in like your late twenties, early thirties, where you have a just a shit ton of weddings. But I feel like your friends must be younger or just getting married later or something, because I've never seen like you're the only one that I feel like has this many weddings. Maybe I'm just really popular. But, apparently, no, nah, that's not it. Uh, <laughs> I will say so. The couple no. shout out. Shout out to Charlie and Casey. Wonderful people. Got married over the weekend. Uh, so I was not at Hallis Hall. But they, uh, they've they been together since they were in junior high. And that was like a theme throughout. But so every what the hell time, are they waiting for? Well, when they talked about meeting each other <laughs> in 2009, I felt kind of old because I'm thinking... Oh yeah, I was in. I was you know senior in college 2009. And th- that's what I was thinking. You guys were like well out of college. I mean, John's... Gosh, I don't even know how old you were in 09. 35? It was about 40. No. Oh nine, I would have been into my journalism career. There you go. Oh I did Oh nine? Yeah. I was covering the Blackhawks. <laughs> well into I did, it. <laughs> I did uh, run into a couple fans of the Hogan Johns podcast. Nice. At the wedding. Uh they're everywhere. I, I, I think you guys have had Brad Spielberger on the show before. We have. Yeah. Yeah. Brad from Pro Football Focus was uh he was a groomsman. He was there. Wedding. Yeah, he's tall, Friend, tall, tall guy. He was, there was one other groomsman who was very tall. So I, between the two of them, um, 
for tallest person at the wedding. And shout out to uh, Zach Carmen, who's a loyal listener of this program. He uh, came up and said hello. Is he related he to like- Mark Carmen? Uh, no, he's not. I, uh, but he he says he likes the Hogan Johns podcast. Mm. Well, thank you, Zach. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate the uh, rundown. Anything else from the wedding that you need to break down before we get to Roquan Smith's day? Mike Lennon would say no. Anyway, uh, who cares? With all that being said, I will uh, miss the uh, Bears preseason finale this Saturday because I will be at a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) My my good cousin who stood up in my wedding is getting married. So that falls under the very few. There's no question you know more people than I do, Kevin. Absolutely. But this is a close family wedding. One that I cannot miss. So, uh, and wouldn't miss anyway. Actually, his brother's getting married in November too. So I'm actually going to miss uh, another game. The fact that two of my good cousins are getting married during football season, different conversation. And that is a separate pandemic that needs to stop immediately. Just curious. And I know I'm, I'm putting us in territory of getting yelled at by our commenters for not talking bears. Do you have bad cousins? You refer to these people as good cousins. Um. Okay. No. Yeah. Yes. That's fair. I, th- I think everybody does. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. Like cl- a close cousin. Close. Yeah. That's yeah, the, maybe close. the word I should use. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not to be confused with. Terry what do you think the bad cousins bear. are thinking right now as they listen to this? They're wondering know. if they're the bad or the good. They're probably yes. not listening. Only the good cousins listen. Oh, I don't know. I got a couple cousins up in Wisconsin actually diehard listeners, also Packer fans. But they listen to every episode. Those so, are good cousins. Those are good cousins. Yeah, absolutely. They know who they are. If they're listening to this, they're a good cousin. Um, by the way, my cousin is getting married this weekend. Definitely not listening to this, nor should he. Uh, all right. Yeah, well, while that was going on Saturday, uh, Adam Johns asked my favorite question of the <laughs> <laughs> the Roquan Smith press conference. Who's St. Omni? <laughs> <laughs> just the way you asked that question was hilarious. Well, there was a, it was very competitive to good questions, and so I had to inject myself. Who is Saint Omni? <laughs> but it was just like, who's Saint Omni? Yeah, Roquan. Who is Saint Omni? I think that's how I phrased it. And then he answered. He gave you a good answer. He's, I don't know, he's a guy, that trusted is, guy. Yeah, Roquan Smith trusts him a lot more in the NFLPA. Apparently, apparently so. Um, all right, so what do we make of this, guys? He's back. You were there, John, so why don't you answer the question? Like, well, How did it feel in that room? Because to me, watching it not in the room, it feels like a guy who's kind of just realizes he has no choice. If he's going to play week one, he needs to get back to practice, but he certainly it seems to be an icy relationship still with the organization and Specifically, Ryan Poles. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's icy with his coaches. I think Roquan Smith and Eddie Rufloos seem to be in a good place. He's definitely in a good place with his teammates. He interacts with them all the time. There's a lot of smiling, a lot of joking around. I think it was Justin Jones listed him as as a team leader before anybody else on the team. That came up on Sunday. So I think he's in a good place in the locker room, which which is more important, I think, than anything right now if you're talking about rooms in the building. But yes, the second floor, the second floor doesn't like Agent Roquan Smith at this moment. I'm sure they would have liked a long-term deal, but 
I think we also understand the bear side of things where you don't want to give this linebacker the the biggest contract for his position without having a play to game in this this scheme. So I, I think right off the bat where he describes the the whole process as very distasteful, I think that's gonna linger. To to go to, to make a play off those words, I think that bad taste in his mouth is gonna remain there all season until <laughs> it comes back again for that franchise tag. But we'll see how he plays angry. You know, one of the things I think we've learned with the way Pro Bowls and All Pro things get handed out, I know he got second team All Pro, but it's really hard to make the Pro Bowl at his position. And like, I'm trying to think, like, what kind of season does he have to put up to add that to his resume? Like, what can Roquan Smith do this year that will, you know, because he's going to, like, his number is going to get, he's going to probably want his number to get higher. If they negotiate again next year and the Bears like next year, the Bears can actually talk about a Darnell Mooney extension, a Jalen Johnson extension, a Cole Komet extension. If they want like those three guys will be up at the end of the season. So they'll have a different you know, cap situation. We don't know how aggressive they're going to be in frequency. So like so many things are going to change. But I just like like what would Roquan have to do? to really get himself in a position where the Bears have to, are going to be like, we have to find a way to keep him. He needs to be an all-pro. He but, needs and, to be a legitimate pro Bowl player. And, and so if he does that, then the Bears will probably happily make him the highest paid off-the-ball linebacker in football. And to your point, um, something you just said, Kevin, I don't think the market's going to change drastically between now and then. Who That's else true. is getting some? This isn't a quarterback. This isn't, you know, Lamar Jackson, you know, is going to get paid. Kyler Murray, like, you know the order of who's up next. At his position, there, there really isn't a whole lot of that. Because it's is, there's only there's only like three or four guys even in the entire league that are at that level. I was going to say, because Micah Parsons is going to be a different conversation. But he's only in his second year. He's only in his second year, and he also is a unique player at that spot. Like, you could argue he's not. He doesn't play the same position Roquan Smith plays, the way that Dallas uses him. But he's the one that's going to set the market, presumably. So, so this is where I totally understand where Ryan Poles is coming from. Because it's like, if you have to make him the highest paid off-the-ball linebacker now, or wait a year, when I don't think the market's going to change, why would you not wait? Why would you not wait to see what he looks like in this defense? Why would you not just wait until... like He had no leverage. He had to play this year. If you don't give him a contract, there was no reason to budge on the Bears' side of it. Like I'm always a you know player go get your money thing or, or guy, and I I'm still like I think Roquan Smith deserves to be paid, but I also understand the business side of this. And there was no real reason for the Bears to just make him pay him more than two other linebackers who, by all accolades out there statistics out there have been better than him. So if he goes out there and balls out this year and he's going to be highly motivated under the last year of his contract, to me there's to me there's no downside of okay, now you have to tag him. Now there's going to be another contract dispute. Maybe the worst case scenario is at the end of the day you end up having to trade him. But if all that stuff plays out that way, his market should probably be higher this time next year than it is right now. I disagree. I think there are some stats that favor Roquan Smith uh, as opposed to Sha- Sha- Shaquille Leonard. We, we're calling him that now, right? Shaquille yep. Leonard. 
uh, and, and Fred Warner. I think there are some stats that favor Roquan Smith over those guys in terms of contracts, but those guys signed their deals with the GMs and coaches who drafted them. They're staying in the same scheme. They know what they're getting. Everything else with Roquan Smith with the Bears was a projection going forward. I think Matty Rufus had a great quote where he said he thinks Roquan Smith is going to like it, love it, appreciate it, what he's going to be, this weak side linebacker role in his defense. But we still have yet to see him actually play in a game, not even a preseason game yet in that defense. And I think that uncertainty didn't work in Roquan's favor at the table. Yeah, and I wonder too with right like obviously the Bears had a very generous offer on the table. Like they were willing to make Roquan Smith very well paid. And and I wonder if part of that was, you know, you you give maybe an extra couple million that you're comfortable with just to buy some goodwill. Um just to just to get it done with and and have your team leader happy and and make, you know, you know, make other guys locker happy. But here's the problem, and we've talked about this in other podcast this was going to be a precedent setting move and i just don't know if you can make a precedent setting move with somebody as hoag as you just described as an with an off-ball linebacker who hasn't been in your defense who doesn't have an agent like you it's just that's just a very difficult thing to do uh jeff howe had an interesting story on the athletic um with sort of more about the market or lack thereof really for roquan smith in terms of trade um and he wrote in here, I encourage you to check it out to read the whole thing, but just pulling a nugget out of here, uh, executives from eight teams told The Athletic over the past week that the Bears never reached out to shop Smith. Of course, that doesn't necessarily mean polls didn't quietly have conversations with other clubs, but word around the league was the Bears weren't actively trying to move him, which makes sense to me because, again, what I just said, like I don't... this. We've talked about this a couple times on the podcast because this whole thing just seems too soon. Like, it, this this time next year... Reaching a breaking point like this where you got accusations flying around and I need to trade like that makes more sense. This all seemed too soon. Um, He goes on the right. Those executives added they weren't trying to acquire him due to the complexity of Smith's situation. The rival executives polled by the athletic were unanimous in their belief that Smith is a good player albeit short of a great one and none were interested in approaching the contract parameters they believe Smith coveted on top of surrendering a draft pick in a trade. The bottom line is Roquan Smith sees himself differently right now than the rest of the league does. And maybe that'll be different after this season. But then he's got to go out and prove it. Do you think if he has an agent that he is re-signed with a five-year deal right now? I, I, t- I want to say yes. But it's also clear to me that he is per- like he feels some type of bigger purpose. When you hear those comments he made Saturday about, you know, changing the way things are right now, like he is one of these players that have been trying to reshape the power that the teams hold in the NFL over the players. Where in other leagues it is different, especially the NBA. And so to answer your question specifically, yes, I do think if he had an agent, I think they would have found some middle ground. But it's obviously clear that he believes he's doing something bigger that's helping more players than just himself. And well, to your point, I don't know if changing the landscape or the right way to go about changing such the landscape is 
using using a personal advisor who didn't know that calling other teams is tampering or tampering for the teams, how they're not going to answer his, his phone call. I know what you're saying. I know what Roquan Smith is saying, but there seems to be a different way to go about this, is there not? Oh, yeah. I, I, there's no question I think that he's getting bad advice. You know, and I also think that if he had an agent, a potential trade would have been also easier to do because then the, then the, the, the team knows. I, I think the things that Jeff mentioned in the story are still would still be challenges. The contract you'd have to agree to um, the draft pick you'd have to give up, but you would know who you were dealing with. And like, I, I you know, it's like I, I kind of want to be careful because like I, I don't want to, you know, disrespect Roquan Smith's decision to represent himself like that's his choice and he has his reasons for it um, but like there's just the reality of the NFL is it's it's more difficult to get these things done if you don't have an agent yeah agreed all right um real quickly before we move on because I know John's you have a bunch of things you want to throw at us um you can't say the word either Superlatives. Super- you want to? <laughs> I can't say it today. <laughs> Not even gonna try. Don't put that shit on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I can say it. Um, how do you think this ends for Roquan Smith with a franchise tag next year? I really do. Well, I do too. But after that, you think the he franchise ends up- tag again? <laughs> he, right. This is a collective bargained agreement that completely favors the teams in terms of first round picks. There's like seven years where first round picks are unless you're under, like a quarterback and, and under really team control. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's just the, the nature of it. And you're not a quarterback, Roquan Smith. And you play a position that's valued extremely differently by different teams. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the, he plays well. Maybe all pro well. Maybe the Bears kind of stink, but franchise tag. It's really hard to see a result that is after what happened that has the two sides agreeing on a long-term deal. So I'm also thinking franchise tag. Here's something to think about, though. If you're Roquan Smith and you want to make a stance for how the NFL should be, um, like the franchise tag might not be... I know a lot of players don't like it, but it's got some similarities to like what NBA stars do. You see like these NBA stars, they just sign these one or two year deals for a ton of money because then they're able to move somewhere else and they're able to retest the market. Like these guys that sign these five, six, seven year deals, I totally get it. And they get a hundred million guaranteed or whatever, depending on their position and they're set. But like how many of those guys, two, three years in their contracts, do they want to go somewhere else? Or does the team want to do something different? So maybe for Roquan Smith, he just keeps getting the franchise tag. He's going to get a lot of money. And then, but the problem is under the franchise tag, you can't go, you can't hit that open market either. All right. Uh, Kirk Cuz is my guy that okay with the multiple franchise tags. It's yeah, true. he did. He did. And he somehow still gets 45 million guaranteed thrown at him every year. It's Fully. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Roquan Smith, maybe give Mike McCartney a call because he's the one that keeps pulling that off for Kirk Cousins. Lives in the Chicago area. Just an idea. Down the street, maybe he knows what he's doing a little bit because uh, God bless that man for what he's done for Kirk Cousins. Uh, <laughs> all right, superlatives. First no of all, you, you want to do voicemails s- first? Oh, yeah, we got to do voicemails. 
Thank you. You're just trying to avoid saying the word again. I am. But also <laughs> right. keeping you in line. <laughs> we do have some voicemails from Saturday, uh, Thursday, whatever day that was. That was a while ago now, it seems like. Uh, Bears were in Seattle. The uh, fun game against the Seattle Seahawks. The uh, game that's, you know, got the Bears going to the Super Bowl. Here your, are your voicemails from the Bears' second preseason game against the Seahawks. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hey, girlfriend from the bathroom here. Just want to say if Justin Fields gets injured, I have a lot of confidence in Trevor Seaman. Go Bears! You're going to love this pitching stuff. Man, they are flying to the ball. And we, like, if you have to be shot for this terrible analysis. I mean, the best of us team of football. Look at Seahawks like with that number one quarterback for an entire half, and they're still got zero points. Better down, baby. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about the game. You know, it's, it's cool to see the Bears kicking Seattle's ass. Anybody's ass is always fun to beat. But what I have a problem with is the broadcast. Now, it, it's, it's like when somebody's talking about your your brother or somebody like something like that. You know, you you can bad mouth your brother, you can trash your brother, you can make fun of him, but when somebody else starts doing it, that's when you get your guard up and you want to defend them. I don't know why these broadcasters seem like they have a personal vendetta against the Bears. Hey Bears fans, B-Man here. Bears football is back and so am I. Bear down! The Seahawks, that team that we're watching tonight, that's a 2-3 to three win roster. The Bears are not. It's lazy, Clearly zero homework being done before going on national TV. Um, and, I, and I'm just glad that we will have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Monday Night Football going through the regular season. I know a lot of people hate on Joe Buck. Quite honestly, I don't understand why. I think it's something similar to, like, Nickelback. People just hate on it just be, you know, trendy or whatever. But um, this, is, this broadcast is just absolutely embarrassing. My son just turned to me and said, this is the best Damn offensive line I've ever seen. He's five weeks old. It's the preseason for everyone. You were just mood, muted, muted, muted. Mood, man, you are struggling muted. today with words. I, I, I'm first day of school, man. <laughs> how was I, it? It was good. Yeah, guys, how was the first day of school? Ah, uh, they said bad. <laughs> I thought that's what they had. I thought I heard that. Bad. They're right there. That's awesome. Uh, uh, B-Man. That's how They're watching the NFL Network's Top 100. Who is that? Oh, yeah. The one that... Had the Bears ever had three Bears on there? After 2018, they did, right? Okay, that Nikki makes sense. Nikki Nicks, Cleo Mack, not Mitch. Who else was on that team? Probably Eddie Jackson and Kyle Eddie Fuller. Ja- oh, Eddie, Eddie Jackson, Jackson Kyle Fuller. How'd that work out? Not well. Here's my one vent about that. Have you ever seen the NFL Network people go around the locker rooms, or at least when the locker rooms were open, trying to get players to fill that out? 
Right. It was a joke. This is not some scientific process. How are they doing it during the pandemic, though? Because they couldn't go in the locker rooms. Or True. maybe they still Email. did. They could probably give it to PR staffs. To yeah, 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 they probably still did it. I really liked this series to the point where like, my mind changed when I saw one former Bears defensive lineman not put Tom Brady's top five just because he didn't like Tom Brady. Like, I saw him have this discussion with another teammate, and the teammate was like, you got to put Tom Brady up there. They had just, like, won the Super Bowl. And he goes, no, I don't like Tom Brady. So I didn't put him on, he didn't put him on his list. Does that does that ex D lineman now play with Tom Brady? No, not actually. Okay. No, actually, good guess, but no. Okay, it was not him. Because uh, that would have been a hell of a plot twist. <laughs> yes, yes. Don't like you him, know. but I'm gonna go try to get my Super Bowl. Ring I, I'm gonna go get my ring now. Um, no, it was not Akeem Hicks. It was okay. another former Bears defensive lineman. Okay, fair enough. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash adam and use promo code adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash adam and use code adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Um. All right. Superlatives. Number Where are we one. going with this? Yeah. All right. You're Do you ready? want to tease what this is? Yes. We have this story. I just closed the... The thing, I had it open. Man, we were off today. Um, <laughs> Kevin Fishbane and I have a story coming out on Tuesday on TheAthletic.com where we go over the best players, the worst players, some surprises from training camp. Okay. And Kevin Fishbane, the fish man, who's right here with us, put this together. When did you put this together? During uh, uh, Friday, no, late afternoon. I don't care. 
Did you guys high school yearbooks have superlatives and did you make them? Like, did you get mm. a superlative? No, I don't think so. You know, like, like most likely to be president or things like that. You we had a. Those? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, is this where you're going to tell the most likely to be a sports writer story? Didn't you have that, Kev? Similar. Yeah, I had I had something like that with ours. So. Okay. No, I don't think we did that. We just had quotes. We had senior quotes, hmm. which mine was ridiculously dumb. We did have the most likely categories. They weren't very good, though. Okay. All right. Ours, you ready? Ours, ours happened to have a category that was most likely to be editor of the New York Times. So I got that one. There oh. it is. Well, yeah. you did end up in the New York Times, just in a yeah. different way on a podcast. I kind of <laughs> wanted I kind of wanted best eyes. I would have taken that. Best eyes. But I lost that to my friend Andy. That was a bummer. By the way, that was a professional stall by everybody so Johns could reopen the document in front of him. Good job. <laughs> yes, yes. We got it here. Most impressive player, offense. Adam Ho, you go first. Most impressive player on offense, Darnell Mooney. Yeah, I said that as well. Yeah. And I also saw he was my pick for that one last year, too. Oh, am I supposed to like give reasons or just I'm just blurting out answers? Reasons would help. Well, he, okay. well he's clearly the most talented player on the team, I think, uh, offensively. His route running looks better. It's been really impressive. Um. So, yeah, I think... I think it's that simple. I went with Tevin Jenkins. Wait, what? You don't like a good comeback story? Wait, but wasn't Literally the question the sense. most impressive yes, player? Yes, yes, yes. Hear me out. Oh, it's who has impressed you the most? This dude was labeled a bust like two weeks ago. Now, now he's like everybody's favorite starting right guard, including the Bears. Still not sure if he's going to be very good at it. I don't know. That's not what before, I heard on Twitter before, on Saturday, that he's before. still getting traded. <laughs> That's not true. But for him to be back on just on that line with the potential to be a starter, that's something. Most impressive player, defense. Uh, man, now you got me like whacked out. Do you want me to stall, Hogue? No, I just I'm just confused. Uh, okay, I don't know. I guess I was just thinking of it like, in who's the most talented player? Not who has impressive. No, he's impressive. Yeah. I, I think I, I think Jenkins impressive story is impressive. Yes, impressive yeah, is a you could take a high loosely defined word here. Okay, I got. I, you. I'm impressed that Tevin Jenkins is where he is right now. Truthfully, oh, I that yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. What that question are you asking me? We're a little confused about that right now, Matt, but we got this. Okay, most impressive player on defense. So who who impressed me the most during training camp? I'm going to say um, Jaquan Brisker. I agree. Yeah, Jaquan Brisker. I had Justin Jones, um, but Ooh. I also think Brisker, and, and I thought Jalen Johnson also had a pretty pretty good camp. You know who I also considered saying is Robert Quinn. Because for a guy who just like wasn't there all offseason, he sure showed up and was just like, yeah, I'm the same exact guy. I could still do this weird like levitation bend around the corner that I'm running on the sides of my feet and doesn't really make sense. And nobody else in the NFL can do. Yeah. I, he's still impressive. I hope that that carries to the regular season because, I mean, he could still be a pretty damn good pass rusher for this team if that's the case. Biggest disappointment. 
Ooh. This doesn't oh. have to be a player, by the way, Hoke. Oh, okay. It could be. I, I will tell you, mine was not a specific player. Well, I think I'll go back to this Roquan Smith thing then. Just the way it's played out. I, I don't. It's very surprising to me that I didn't think it would come to this. Um, I think it's unfortunate. I don't think it was the biggest distraction in the world, but it, if anything, it was, it had to be kind of a distraction for the GM, right? Like here, here he is. He's trying to build his own team. They have plenty of work to be doing every day. Looking at, they're watching, they have a pro scouting team. That's watching other teams, preseason games. They're looking for talent. They're trying to maximize how good this can be. And, this is just like, it just seemed like a big headache and you don't need your star player just throwing out ac- accusations out there like he like he has. It's just kind of disappointing how the whole thing's played out. It was the statement. Yeah. The statement felt completely unnecessary. I think I think we saw, Hogue, what you kind of described about Ryan Poles. I think we saw that in his press conference at Soldier Field. I think we saw it in his first press conference at kickoff camp because we remember we found out like that day or the day before that Roquan wasn't going to, was going to do this. So yeah, I think that was evident. By the way, John's, I, I forgot. Did anybody ask Roquan if he's seen a McCaskey around the building? No, that did not come up actually. Hmm. I was, I, I, when he put that in his, in his trade demand, I was a little worried how he well, how only the McCaskies can fix it. He well, did get also, a good question from our friend Herb Howard, just in terms of, how that dynamic would work playing for well polls, the McCaskies, knowing how things just played out, like how he'd feel about that. That was a good question. Um, yeah. I was just, because remember, I was just kind of dumbfounded how Roquan Smith had not talked to any McCaskies. I think we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on. My biggest disappointment was the passing offense. Not Ooh. that I had a high bar necessarily and and there's obviously a lot of reasons that it was a little bit unsteady throughout camp i just like i just thought there'd be more days or drives or plays that are memorable by trevor passing game yeah look what was here you go the best passing play of camp was nathan peterman to kevin shaw Probably. No, it wasn't. What are you talking about? What about that one that Justin Fields had to Daz Newsome last week? Oh, that was pretty good. And the one to Mooney the other day was good. Yeah. Too. But I just like I did, I just didn't come away from camp with a what whole about lot Tajay of Sharp's catch in a game. That's 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 a game. We're talking about we're we're actually talking about practice. Okay. I didn't know yeah. the preseason games no, were off limits. You can you can talk about preseason games. I just okay. I I want I, I I there were some things I liked from the passing offense. I think we were seeing Luke Getz's concepts and what makes how they'll be effective for this team. Uh, but I just, I just wanted, I wanted a little more. Uh, my biggest dis- disappointment, I think the Bears share this one, is just injuries to Lucas Patrick and Byron Pringle. Two guys that, you know, didn't get the biggest deals, but clearly have important roles in what they want to build. Like, I think that slot receiver role in Getsy's offense is probably very underrated. We're not talking about it enough right now because there's no one who can fill it, at least in, in the vision that they had for Byron Pringle. Then, of course, you see things falling into place on the offensive line, but yet their leader, their center isn't there. 
and Lucas Patrick. Like things seem to be falling in line in different places, like falling into place. I should I should say, like all across the board offensively. You know, even like reserves are getting in, in line, and you're just you're missing two key additions because of injuries. Yeah, I think that's was sort of my problem in the offseason with putting all the eggs in Byron Pringle's basket. It just seemed like a too risky of a of a move for a guy that's like career high in catches is what forty two. I, I I don't know I, and I think that now you're seeing the the lack of depth there. So I'll say this: I don't I don't I'm not that disappointed in the passing offense. I like the offense. I I think the I think the offense is going to be competent. Save that thought. Save okay. that thought. Okay. Most pleasant surprise. Pleasant surprise. I added most. Just say pleasant surprise. Is this where I should expound on this thought I was just giving? No. Save oh, okay. that for two more. Okay. Categories. Uh, let me hear your answers. Look, give me more. You guys have put me on the spot here. Let me hear your answers, and then I'll jump in. I had very low expectations for Equinemius St. Brown. That's a good one. Like I, I didn't expect anything from him. I know he's a big receiver. I know he's come from the Packers. I knew he had experience with Luke Getze. But I think he's been, maybe it's just the past several practices, but that connection with Fields is working. He's open. Fields is finding him. We're not talking about like five-yard outs. 15, 16, 20-yard gains down the field. I'm not saying the Bears have, like they signed some surprise receiver that all the fantasy teams out there should be you know, drafting in the late rounds. I'm not. But St. Brown has impressed as the days have gone on, for sure. I went with uh, Braxton Jones. And, I, I mean, you could argue that we saw this coming maybe at the end of minicamp, but we all knew that when the pads come on, that's when it's really going to matter and we're really going to get the fair evaluation. And the fact that he has, you know, not only held the job, but he, you know, kept Riley Reef on the right side, which might say more about Reef moving forward than, than Jones, but... He's held it down. He's improved, and he had you know he battles back when he has a mistake. I, I've just been really impressed with what he's done, and um, I mean he could he could turn out to be one of the best stories this season if he actually you know holds that down and plays well. But I, I was I was really surprised by uh, pleasantly surprised by how well he's played and handled that role. Yeah, those are two great answers. I think um, they both make a lot of sense. This is where I'll come in with Tevin Jenkins though, because. Because I think when you even add on how the first two weeks of camp played out where the guy's just MIA, I just did not see a scenario where two weeks later he's penciled in there as the starting right guard at a completely different position. So um, I it just definitely pleasantly surprised by that development. Uh, I think, and, and we're talking about three key players there at three spots that had major question marks. So if they all continue that trend, Recent recent trend, that that's huge for the Bears' offense. Tanner Gentry, undrafted rookie who caught our eye award. I'm gonna jump you right now, Adam Hogue, and say Jack Sanborn, oh, Wisconsin, no. and Lake Zurich. And don't disrespect the Sandman like that. No, he's been impressive. I know, but isn't this like basically the award where like the the, the training camp hero really sucks? No. How okay. dare you? Taylor Gentry was on that roster all year, kind of. 
And how many balls did he catch? He's still in the league. Semantics. He's he's on the Bills roster. Okay, right now, and I will look at up over under on NFL catches for Tanner Gentry. I'm gonna set it at nine and a half. I think it's under. Yeah, I think it's under. Okay, so don't hey don't let's see what we got here. Well, what do you think of it? It is way under. He doesn't even have nine targets. He's never played a down for the Bills. How is he still on the Bills? He doesn't have, have a. Tra- he doesn't have, have a stats since 2017. Because he lights up practice. He does light up practice. Well, that's okay. amazing. Who, if we're gonna name the undrafted player of camp award, we gotta name it after somebody. Okay. You know. What's what's he? Okay, fine. But it, I, it's by name only. Really, what we're trying to target here is an undrafted player who actually actually could be a good find for the Bears. Yes, I know what you're yeah. saying. Like Sanborn seems like he could be a more than capable special teamer. I, I think a, if you go back backup. to what people were writing in August of 2017 and that receiving core, there was a thought that Chan- Tanner Gentry legitimately was going to be part of that offense. And yeah, then, probably. Uh, I mean, it could be it could be like the Ryan Nall Award. It's a similar. The Ryan Nall. But I'm, I, well, I, give me I, an example. I, I I need like an example of an undrafted free agent who became something. Bryce Callahan Award. There you go. But Callahan didn't do anything in, in training camp, right? Like, it's not like. Do you remember writing about him he, much in camp? He won the job in practice. Remember that. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. That like four games or five games into that season, his rookie year, he was activated off the practice squad and he was your starting nickelback. Yeah. He had impressed in practice. I went with Micah Du Treadway. That's a good one. He's caught my eye a few times. I like his hustle. That guy, Adam like. Oh, really does not like your, your title here, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> He's like distraught about this. I just think Sanborn, like, let me ask you this question. Would it completely surprise you if Sanborn makes a team and either Matt Adams or Joe Thomas does not? No. Okay. No. No. He's younger and he's been good on special teams. All right. Also, with three linebackers in your base defense, you're probably going to keep, what, five? Five on your roster, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So, like, your locks are Roquan, Nicholas Morrow. Um, Matt Adams and Joe Thomas. Caleb oh, Johnson's hurt. Why can't it be Jack Sanborn? How bad is Caleb Johnson hurt? That look, that didn't look good, right? It did not. Oh, then he's definitely on the team. This is DeMarcus Gates guy. Does he count? He's not really undrafted. He came from the USFL. But he's been kind of impressive. All right, I'm just going to agree on Jack Sanborn and move on. <laughs> it's why I wanted to get ahead of him, Kevin. You know what? If Sanborn has a good, we can we can rename this award next year the Jack Sanborn Undrafted Rookie Award. Okay, I like that. Now, yeah. now we're going somewhere. Just just lock him up. I mean, on, there's other on the there, team. There's, there's other undrafted guys. Ryan Pace had a good run at them. Cam Meredith, Bryce Callahan. There's another defensive lineman we're missing. He had a decent run of finding undrafted guys. 
can't yeah, think so of them. So decent, we can't think of them. <laughs> I know. Remember, you, no, there is an There is, there is lineman. a defensive lineman. It's, yes. I know. I've been trying to think of it, too, in the last <laughs> few minutes, and I'm, like, missing something here. It's killing me. <sighs> I don't know. I'll, I'll work out this. You guys... So, uh, you guys continue the podcast. Are you guys so confident in this award that you will change the name of the award by the time this story comes out tomorrow morning to the like, Jack Sanborn like Award? I, you would say Ben Bronicker applies. Okay. I was in the team for four years, right? Yeah, that's good. So that's three. There's there's another one. There's a, there's a couple more. Anyway. John John Timu was undrafted. He got John a lot Timu of playing time. Uh, was it Roy Robertson Harris undrafted? Yes. Roy Robertson yeah. Harris. There's that's the one. That's yes. the one. Um, Isaiah Irving got a lot of run as an undrafted guy. But yeah, Roy Roy Robertson Robertson Harris Harris got a contract. Bryce Callahan got a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are those are good ones. Christian Jones undrafted. Phil Emery find. Very good find. It could happen. Jack Sanborn's next. Okay. Overall, Justin Fields' impressions. This is where you can go back to your thoughts. Uh, Positive. Did he has he quite reached my uh, you know well documented expectations in the beginning beginning of camp when I said blow me away? No, he hasn't quite been to that level, but I think it's been a steady climb, and I think that that's encouraging. I've liked what I've seen in these games. Granted, very small sample size, um, fourteen pass attempts. Somebody yeah. tell Warren Sharp. Yeah, I don't know that both games Warren Sharp has put out some like bizarre stat about like what was the first one Kev where the math wasn't even right yards after the catch. Yeah, yeah. The math wasn't even right on it. It was four catches and four yards, and he said it was a quarter of a yard per catch. That's not that's not right. Anyway, um, yeah. Justin Fields, I think it's been, I think it's not only been him, but also the offense as a whole has been, it, it looked bad early on at times. And it's, it's been much better. And I think consistently, like kind of sort of day by day getting better. I like it. I like the offense. Adam, I think you and I have been consistent on this. Just, it's going to provide Justin Fields with some, some opportunities to take those home run shots. Because you know he likes those big shots, but also give him some running lanes if needed, and some outlets if needed. It works for him. It's worked for a lot of different quarterbacks. It's worked for Nick Mullins. If it could work for Nick Nick Mullins, it could work for Justin Fields. So I, I'm optimistic about what Luke Getzey is installing. I do think the Bears can run the ball. I really do. With David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert out of that outside. Outside zone scheme. Um, I think the Bears are going to have a screen game. They've practiced the screens a lot. Like you always wondered why Matt Nagy never had a screen game. They never did them. At least to this degree. I like what we've seen from Luke Getzey's offense and what it could provide Justin Fields. I went with cautiously optimistic. That was my description of Justin Fields' training camp. I agree with that. I went with he's been fine. Okay. I, I like I, it, I, that's going to come off as negative, I guess. But like he hasn't blown me away, as I mentioned earlier. Like I, I just I thought we'd see more wow moments for the offense in camp. And and there's and again, I acknowledge all the reasons why we haven't. But I just thought we'd see more. We saw we we saw some last year. But what I what I've liked is he hasn't been erratic. 
And while it might sound, sound like a low bar, did anybody watch last season? So he hasn't been erratic. The turnovers have been down, especially since early on. Um, and I, I kind of made jokes about the checkdowns, but I also think there's something to be said about him understanding about taking what the defense gives him and staying within the scheme and getting the ball to his playmakers. Because when your wide receivers are who the Bears have a wide receiver, wouldn't you rather get the ball to Cole Komet or Dave Montgomery or Khalil Herbert more often than not? So no, I think, like I said, it's been fine. It's been probably slightly above average, but I don't, like I'm not coming, I'm not walking away from camp thinking, oh my God, he's the guy. This thing's going to really take off. I don't, I do not have that sentiment. Not that either of you guys have said you do. I'm just saying that that, and not that I should have expected it, um, but that's why I'm just kind of being a little bit more tempered, if you will. Well, I get tempering the expectations for sure. Um, Have they had a single penalty with the first team offense? I'm trying to look it up right now. I know they didn't against Seattle. I don't think Um, they've had any, certainly no pre-snap penalties. Right. So so first drive there against the Chiefs. They punted his second drive. They just played two drives, right? And I don't see any penalties. The point I'm trying to make there, the, the operation I know the coaches have been pleased with. And I, so far, I think we've seen more pluses than negatives in terms of that side of things. Just like being like calming in control of what's going on and with no penalties, I think that that proves that. Granted, again, small sample size and... They drew the Seahawks offsides on a fourth down last week with that cadence stuff we've been talking about with Nate Tice. So, like to me, that I I I think I know that that's kind of hard for people to see when everybody's so, so focused on the results and the throws and all that. But I feel relatively confident that Justin Fields is like well on his way to that part of it, and that matters. Like that that actually does matter a lot. Overall, Matt Eberflus. Impressions. You want me to go first? Sure. Everything felt purposeful. Kevin, I kind of played off your answer about the hits philosophy. I know what you're saying. All coaches want hustle and intensity. But the drills that they used in terms of like an emphasis on takeaways... Like that, that practice inside the Walter Payton Center the other day, they had a three-station fumble recovery fumble recovery drill where literally almost every single player on the roster but the offensive linemen and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson participated. Everybody keeping the ball in, in bounds, you know? The, the blocking that applies to after the fumble is recovered and you want to return it for some yards. Station to station to station. I thought that was something. Then they did interception drills, jumping routes. Cornerbacks did it along the sideline. Linebackers did it over the middle. It felt purposeful. I've never seen that many drills with an emphasis on takeaways in one day, in one individual period as they went around. I thought it was noteworthy. I really did. But we saw more of that. Like Everything felt purposeful 
with Matt Eberflus's practices. Like even the scout teamwork. I love that stuff being instituted that early. Whether it works, I don't know. They meet, they need more talent, but everything felt purposeful with Matt Eberflus in camp. Yeah, I, I agree that I thought there were no wasted reps. Like a lot of situational stuff with teamwork. Um, it just like you could see, as I said, I, I joked that like, I kind of roll my eyes sometime at the hit stuff, but like when you see it and you especially saw it in the Seattle game, like you get it and it makes you realize the idea of while the personnel's not good overall compared to the rest of the league, like this is a team that's going to be competitive because of the defense, because of the propensity to take the ball away and because of the way they went through camp that we just saw. Like they, they they've bought into this stuff, so I, I was I was impressed, but I I kind of want to leave it to the uh, the football coach here. Hmm. I will say this: it caught my it definitely caught my ear when he talked about the other day having like sort of a built in return play for every time they get a takeaway, like where they all have specific jobs. It's not just go find like somebody and block. It it's like a coordinated thing that they practice i thought that that was really interesting and i think that that's another example of what you're talking about john's where everything's pur- purposeful um it wouldn't surprise me if the bears it, let's just say let me put it this way if if this kind of works with matt Eberflus, you know if, if we're looking at this in a couple years and saying yeah this was a good hire it's almost like the Bears will have hit the sweet spot between finding a retread. Remember, the other finalist was Dan Quinn, right? So somebody who's already... Because that's the argument, right? Do you want a first-time young head coach or do you want... John Fox. Yeah, or do you want the retread who's older? They kind of found the middle of that. Sexy. Because they didn't, they hired the first time head coach, but it's not like he's 30 years old. He's in his 50s. He's been in the league forever. He he was, he has connections to Nick Saban. You know what I mean? Like he, he's been around good coaches along the way. He's been in the NFL for a while now. And I just feel like you sort of managed to get that experience while also you know, getting the excitement of a guy doing it for the first time, if that makes sense. I'm typing this right now. Like You could tell with literally almost everything that the Bears do, like what Matt Eberflus wants his team to be. Talk about building an identity. Matt, Matt Eberflus has an identity in mind, and he's building towards that through his coaching. He can improve, the, with, the, he can improve with the media. Yeah. I don't mind what he does with the media except for the injuries. And I don't think if I had to pick out one thing that I did not think was good, I I think he messed up the Tevin Jenkins stuff. And I know part of it was motivating him, but that seemed unnecessary to, to put him through like basically everybody who roots for or covers the bears or anybody involved with following training camp was like, yeah, he's probably gone. It just seemed a little kind of, I don't know. Um, two more real quick. All right. Lingering question, offense, lingering question, defense. I'll go first. Offense. How many wins does Justin Fields' potential 
is potential progress produced this season? And on defense, what will an angry, extremely motivated Roquan Smith look like on the field? Okay. I went with, for offense, how big of a jump can Fields make? And then defense, I'm curious about this defensive line because I think you can convince yourself they're underrated. If guys like Justin Jones ascend, Travis Gibson, we know what Robert Quinn can do. You got veterans in Blackson and Edwards who have had some success. You could also look at the other way too. Like none of these guys except for Quinn are really established, you know, guys, names. So like I, I, that that's a unit that I feel like we don't talk about very much. And I'm very interested to see which way they go. Do they end up being underrated and be a big part of this team? Or do we find out kind of at the end of the year that defensive end becomes kind of a big need for this team moving forward? All right. For offense, I'm going to go. Uh, who is catching these passes? Not named Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. I agree with Equinemius being a, you know, a surprise. Um, but I still need to see that guy do it in games. Right, like he, we we've heard of him being a uh, an option in Green Bay, and then it never really happens in the regular season. So I, I still need to see that, uh, or somebody else emerge. Defense, do they have enough depth at corner? Because all of a sudden, when Kyler Gordon's sort of practicing half the time, looks a little shaky in his preseason debut, which isn't the end of the world. His first time playing, but Kendall Vildor's still out there. Like they're one injury away from, I feel like not being that far away from where they were last year at cornerback. That's the only that has me a little worried. All right. Okay, oh, I was waiting for you to play the sound bite. Oh, this one. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening. No, you're talking about cornerback. Oh, I don't think I have that racked right now. Oh. There are a Sorry. lot of disappointed listeners right you now. Need another ref. Sorry, call. everybody. I know I suck again. Do your research. Oh. You got another one or no? No, that's it. Oh, I thought you hey, said you had another one. You guys know it's a I week zero. Them. It's a week zero in college football, by the way. Okay, it is. It is okay. Northwestern plays a game this week. Why don't you get your fifteen seconds? I'm looking forward to the Cats this season. Wow! Keep watch out. Wa- watch out for Cam Porter. That's all I'm going to say. Like five more seconds. Hey, watch out for Cam Porter. Yes, Cam Porter is a legit player who everyone forgot about because he came on two years ago, right at the end of the year, and then he tore his. Or no, I'm sorry, it's still a lower body injury, according to whatever preview I read the other day. Um, and he's back. So obviously, they're going to the Big Ten championship game. Go Cats. It's an even year. They make they go to the Big Ten title game in even years. That's right. That's how it works. Um, all right. Good stuff, Kev. Thanks for being here. Everyone follow Kevin on Twitter at KFishbane. Read him on The Athletic. This whole thing we've been talking about, the superlatives, is available tomorrow morning on The Athletic. Superlatives. Got it. Whoa! See, that's how you get better through a practice, right? You just... Each rep matters, and by the end, you nice. have it mastered. I did. That's good. All right. We're at, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read me at allchgo.com. Newsletter coming out Wednesday morning. And um, let's see. We'll have another episode Thursday. Another game Saturday. 
And we're definitely in that stretch where it's like, okay, can this just start already or what? All right. Talk to you guys later in the week. See ya. See ya.